Well, hello, and welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. I am back here with Anna Griska to continue our mental health series. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you want to subscribe, that'll make sure you see a new episode every week and you don't have to go searching for it every time. So make sure you do that. Like I just said, we're in the midst of our mental health series. We're on episode two of delving into some concerns about mental health. Last week, we looked at some concerns about how do we define mental health? How do we, um, what are some of the basic treatment methods? What's some of the very basic science of mental health disorders? And so that's why we talked to my friend Anna here because she has um, some experience as a school counselor with some background knowledge of that from her education and such. Um, And so today we're just going to continue the conversation and get into how does mental health show up in the Bible? Does it show up? What do we see happening? Dun, like, dun, dun. Yeah. What is going on with mental health <laughs> in the Bible? Yes. So um, one of the interesting things that I see right off the bat is that, um, well, first of all, of course, we always want a biblical basis for anything we talk about. Anything we ever talk about, we want to be able to point back towards the Bible as a disciple of Jesus. So yes. that's really important. So I guess the first thing that we want to tackle today is do we see mental health issues in the Bible? And one of the first things I want to say is... It's a really light subject. Yeah, really really easy, <laughs> casual, you know, it's fine. Um, what, what I want to say first is that you're not going to be able to, like, diagnose anybody in the Bible no. with a mental health no. disorder. No, because you are um, not you're not sitting and having a conversation with that yep. individual. So we only get snapshots of people mm-hmm. throughout scripture. Even Jesus himself, we get oh, yeah. snapshots. Yeah. Um, and so part of part of that, like as a school counselor, I get snapshots mm-hmm. of students. I don't get the whole student. I don't see them at home. Yeah. Um, and I don't see them in the classroom mm-hmm. sometimes. So um, you might see the background of their home if on the, the Zoom camera. That's true. Since <laughs> I worry, that's true. Um, like, oh, the walls in your home are blue. Interesting. That's true. That's true. Um, but and uh, I was like, that's the most useless comment you've ever made. That is. I'm gonna. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, but you cannot, without having all the puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. um, you can't see the whole picture. Yeah. And so you can't, that's why you can't diagnose. Yeah. And also just, Part there's just not enough detail yeah. about these people and their inner thoughts and their inner lives. And you don't want to read a diagnosis into a situation that you don't know intimately. And we really want to be careful about that with the Bible. We don't want to read our own experiences into the Bible. Yep. Um, because that's not helpful on a spiritual level. It's not good Bible reading, which we often call exegesis. It's just not the ideal way of doing things. Yes, and um, you don't want to do that with people either right. because yes. you're seeing certain behaviors. Oh, that's ADHD, yeah. false. Even if it's coming from your own experience. Like yes. I wrestled with depression and when I battle depression, I behave this way. Therefore, when I see this person behaving that way, right. they're battling depression too that's right we can't do that yeah nope. and so we don't want to do that do that with characters in the bible yeah but when we return to the nutshell definition that we talked about with mental health last week yep. um as a mental health issue or disorder or illness is something that interrupts your daily life um we can see characters in the bible who do have their lives seemingly 
interrupted on a daily basis because of the emotional, spiritual battles that they're facing. Or actual, literal warfare battles in, True story. in a lot of cases, especially <laughs> in the Old Testament. OT. Um, so a lot of these characters are have, having their daily lives interrupted. So I'm actually going to grab my Bible here and kind of just go through a few of these experiences. Um, for example, First Samuel, um, well, several times, and I'm not going to go through all of the experiences, but several times in First Samuel, King Saul, the first king of Israel, um, was being tormented by a tormenting spirit. And so, you know, we can't definitively say that that's a mental health issue. Um, it is attributed to a spiritual issue. Um, but let's see, 16, 14 through... So it says, now the Lord of the... Uh, start over. <laughs> now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him. So Saul's servants said to him, you see that an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command your servant here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre. So right there, he's having an issue. It's clearly impacting his daily life because other people are noticing it right. and other people are stepping in to say, hey, music might calm you down a little bit. Here. <laughs> that's like, a whole other conversation, what music yes. does to your brain. But yes, no, that's Music true. is a wonderful thing. Yes. There's, there's actually a whole thing branch of whatever called music therapy like i've had friends yes. that started doing that but. yes so especially with alzheimer's patients yes um, music can pull. music does incredible things yes, like really my grandparents have come back from dementia it yeah. have moments of lucidity from music but anyway um that's one example of um just so i mean saul i think is really i think a lot of psychiatrists would maybe read saul and look at him and go he's maybe schizophrenic or bipolar because he has these crazy mood swings one minute he's throwing a spear at david trying to kill him the next minute he's like great job david you want to battle you're awesome i'm promoting you here's my daughter marry her and it's just like who are you who is this guy so something is interrupting his daily life yes i think that's fair to say then the next thing we get to um in first kings 19 verse 4 um, Elijah's going through a really difficult circumstance. And so it says, Elijah went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. This is a person who is not well. Like, I th there's, there's a difference, I think, between wanting to die and being suicidal. Yes, but, there is a huge difference. Yes, and I've certainly had times in my depression <laughs> where I've, I've, I've been like, I'd rather just be dead than be going through this, but I wasn't willing to take any steps to do that. But that's what Elijah is describing here. He's like, I don't want to live anymore because this is just too hard. And that's a really, really low point. That's not a person who is mentally, emotionally healthy. Oh, so. And I think, too, what's interesting about this example with Elijah is that this is a person who was very faithful, who had a yes. deep faith in God, yeah. and he still felt really hopeless. Yep. And so that gives, to me, that gives us permission to have a really bad day, and it doesn't mean that you're not trusting in God anymore. Uh, right, 100%. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you've gone off the rails and you're not a Christian anymore. It means that, or that life your faith, is hard. Or that faith has been minimized. Yes. Or that your faith is not enough. Yeah. Um, 
Because I wrestled with that for so many years. Well, again and again, we see throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is the constant struggle of having bad days and yeah. good days um, by very faithful yeah. men and women. Well, that's a good transition to Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, leads me through good places. Um, but even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. And it doesn't say... When I'm in the valley, suddenly it's eliminated. Suddenly the ground is leveled off. It's saying, when I'm in the valley, you are with me. Yep. The problem isn't necessarily going away quickly. It's still there. It's still a problem. The valley is still there. Because we have but to remember is with, especially with school counseling and working with students, right? Like I cannot change their situation. Yeah. They will have, human beings will have struggle. Yeah. I cannot take away my own kid. <laughs> I cannot take away his struggles. Yeah. I can help him to navigate mm -hmm. the struggles. And God is a huge part of that navigation process. Yeah. I cannot change the circumstance yeah. of a student's life. Yeah. As much as you want to sometimes. It's a tough one. <laughs> Can't do it. So yep. how do I empower them to navigate it? Yeah. So then another example of just kind of the Bible writers experiencing deep pain. Psalm 42 is incredible. Oh, yeah. If you ever, there's, uh, Tori Kelly does a song called Psalm 42. Yes. That's a beautiful song. Oh, mm. Did I send you that song? Um, no, but I know Tori Kelly. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing song. Um, and it, this verse is just, um, it says, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and peer at a peer before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, all day, all day long, people say to me, where is your God? Um, later, it says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Um, just these are expressions of people who are not okay. They're not okay. We don't have to be okay all the time. And so we even, won't be okay all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and even though like That's it weird. might, it's, it's easy for me as someone who has struggled with depression for a long time to read this and go, oh, clearly this person's depressed because this words exactly how I've felt in my depression. That's where we get to that danger of right. reading a diagnosis into it. But what we can say is that biblical writers, faithful biblical writers have experienced hardship that didn't just go away because they prayed about it once, didn't just go away because they had a strong faith in God. These are persistent struggles that people are going through. Um, and I love, I think, I think Pastor Brad said this, that the Bible is a very honest book. Yes. And the honesty here comes in seeing the honesty of struggle. And mm -hmm. we've kind of gotten in this position, I think, I don't know if this is more so in the younger generation, the younger generations than the older <laughs> generations. Um, is that this idea that... That's when you know you're getting older, when there was multiple younger generations than you. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and you're like in this... Weird, yeah, I'm right in between. Mm -hmm. um, but this concept of a happy life, and we need to create happy children, and we need to create happy lives. Whether you believe in God or not, life is not going to be happy 24-7. Right. It's that's just... That's not... That's, and if, especially biblically, if we look at biblically... Nobody had a perfect life. No. Throughout scripture. Even Jesus, Jesus. who was perfect. Yes. His 
the circumstances he was in were not perfect. He was murdered on a cross. Right. And so that is the honesty of when we're trying, and I think this is a whole other conversation about social media, building up this idea of perfection and this idea mm, yeah. of happy all the time. Because what you see on social media is only what you believe others should perceive of you. Yeah. Um, it's Social media isn't really honest. And even if it is brutally honest, there's still some lack of... You're still only presenting what people... There's a disconnect between reality and right, because, what's presented. Because even if you're presenting something on social media that is, my life is hard, that you're still only presenting what you want others to perceive as your life is hard. Yeah. First world problems sometimes. First world problems. <laughs> but... Um, I put a lot of first world problems on Facebook. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people do, and then they wonder mm. why... why Middle schoolers are struggling. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation filled with my own opinions and beliefs. Um, but uh, just put, clarify. But um, scripture is really, really honest yes. about hardship mm -hmm. and is honest with the emotion of hardship. And I didn't recognize it in scripture until I went through my own spiritual battle and... Uh, astronomical valley that yeah. I experienced is when I really saw the the dynamic of scripture mm. of the sad and good and yeah. good bad and ugly and everything in between yes um, Psalm 55 um, God listen to my prayer and do not hide from my plea for help pay attention to me and answer to me I am restless and in turmoil um, restless, that's a synonym for anxiety. Again, we can't read that diagnosis into that, but people who have battled anxiety have dealt with restlessness mm -hmm. and just being a feeling of desperation. You know, God, hear my prayer. Um, my heart shudders within me. Terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Like, I mean, again, not trying to read something in, but when I've been having anxiety moments, that's what it feels like. And I mean, this sounds like someone who's having their daily life interrupted by the hardships that they're going through. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, what's the next one? Psalm 143, which in my Bible, the heading is a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Lord, hear my prayer in your faithfulness. Listen to my plea and in your righteousness, answer me. Hmm. Do not bring your servant into judgment for no one alive is righteous in your sight. For the enemy has pursued me, crushing me to the ground, making me live in darkness like those long dead. My spirit is weak within me and my heart is overcome with dismay. Like, that's somebody who's struggling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're on the struggle bus, you know, as the kids often say now. I hate it when I say the kids. It just makes me sound so old. Well, and I... <laughs> the kids. I'm like becoming my parents the slowly. Kids. Well, I mean, there's, there's truth in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what I find fascinating too is in all the depth of struggle of the scripture that you've read, the consistent part of it is the cry out to God. Yeah. There's a consistent cry. So to me, that's where like... God can handle anything and everything that you throw at him. Mm -hmm. And I've had my own personal experience of that. Um, reading it in scripture is an incredibly empowering thing because yes. um, the, the consistency in rejoice and sing before the gates of heaven, you know, Psalm 100 talks about that. Um, 
and then the, the absolute desperation in the Psalms that you read, the consistent and the thing that's across the board is there's a constant crying out to God. So there's yep. a communication with God. There's a communication talking to God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. There's this um, openness of communication, whatever they're at. Yeah. That That is the key yeah. part that I, in my own spiritual walk that I've had, to, that I remember and is really significant to me. Yeah. And lately when I've, I'm not going to read the passage specifically, but when I've been rereading Mark, um, the Gospel of Mark, I get to the part where Jesus in, is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knows that he's about to be persecuted and executed and crucified, tortured, all that. And he's praying repeatedly for God to do something else. He's like, I know what you have before me, but I don't want to do this. And yep. he is sweating blood like that's that's a very extreme physio physiological response and yeah. just that just knowing that jesus who is perfect knew god's will and didn't want to go through with it but then did that is incredible to me yeah. and that just goes to show that jesus struggled yeah. with what was in front of him the whole idea that you know, God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. That's not biblical. Like there are oh, situations all the time that we actually cannot handle. And that's why we have God. That's what forces us to go to God. <laughs> she liked that. That what? Well, that actually relates perfectly to <laughs> the next passage that I want to read. Um, 2 Corinthians 12 verses uh, 7 through 10, where Paul writes... Therefore, so I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Um, and I'm going to summarize. Basically, Paul says that he realized that God is letting him have this because God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfect in weakness. And so then, power, or then Paul says, you know, when I am weak, that's God's opportunity to be strong. And what I love about this passage is that Paul is, we don't know exactly what this thorn in the flesh is. It may be a chronic illness. It may be a chronic pain situation. Um, there's, it could be a mental health issue. There's so many theories that we could guess. Again, we can't read in and diagnose whatever it was for Paul. But what I see here is Paul had a persistent issue. He was a faithful believer he had utmost trust in God, and he's consistently praying over this, and the problem does not go away. Yeah. And that is such Oof. a relief to me because there have been many times where I've prayed against a particular problem or my depression or my anxiety, and it hasn't gone, gone away. And I've that's been a moment where I've felt like, oh, my faith is not enough. My prayers are not enough. I'm not close enough to God. And this tells me that that is a lie that I'd been believing that, and that's important for people who are struggling themselves with rec, uh, mental health issues or immediately surrounded with people who are battling mental health issues to know that just because this problem persists doesn't mean that the person is less faithful. It doesn't mean that you are less faithful. It doesn't mean prayer is less effective. Um, it just means that God is allowing this circumstance, even though it's hard, but that's our opportunity to go to God and rely upon God. Um, 
That's and, not an easy thing to do. No. Well, and I was thinking too, as you were talking, um, I was like, man, we're getting into like the good versus evil, like the, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. we're touchy. And for the record, I'm here because I'm your friend. <laughs> well, and because you have mental health experience yes. and ministry yes. experience. And so I think that's an important overlap yes. that is helpful for our listeners. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where my education of the Bible come from. But I would also like to say out loud that this is a lot of gray. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We are sitting in some very gray conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, on a gray couch. On a gray couch. Co- well, it's like bluish gray. Yeah. I just realized I'm semi-matching my couch. That's fine. That's terrifying. Why? Okay. I don't know. But um, <laughs> just to say that... <laughs> the things that Anna considers terrifying. <laughs> I match my couch. Oh, no. It's my couch. Um, I would have to be goth to match my couch because my couch is like black. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, all that to say is, <laughs> besides the couch, is um, this is a very gray conversation. Yes. There's a lot of nuances in this. Um, this is, we are not here to say what is right, what is wrong. We Correct. are not here to say that what you believe or you follow, like, this is not a condemning no. sort of information or a judgment or this is simply just a conversation, possibly a different perspective on it than you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe something you're like, I totally agree with that, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, no, um, But this is just a very, this is a very much a conversation yes. from our life experiences mm-hmm. that we've had individually and, and as friends. Um, and as we read scripture, the things that the Holy Spirit, God and Jesus have just really, because when I read scripture, as I've read it in different books of my life, as I like to call them, because my life's <laughs> yep. been insane, um, different things stand out to me in scripture. Different things mean more. Some, something that I read five years ago, I can read again and be like, why did I highlight that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so um, there's different, just, I just wanted to say that out loud that this this is this is a very great conversation. Absolutely. Um, and then a final passage I wanted to read was First um, uh, Peter five verse seven, where it says, "Cast all your cares on Him because He cares about you." Mm. It doesn't say your cares are going away. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're still gonna have them. Yep. They're not going anywhere, but you can bring them to God because God does care. And God is with you in that. And that's super important. Yes. Another thing that I think is important to touch on is um, there's also a lot of discussion within Christianity about the role of spiritual warfare as it pertains to mental health. And that's kind of a can of worms. That's a huge can of worms. I'm going to open it a little bit. Why Um, did you have me for that conversation? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because I thought it would stress you out and I thought that... I would enjoy watching good. you react. To okay, that. good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but so I'm going to read a little bit from this book called Understanding Spiritual Warfare that just kind of goes through a few different perspectives um, on spiritual warfare. And one of them does touch on mental health. Um, and so I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts where he, the writer says, first, there's significant debate over whether or not Christians can be demon-possessed. Hmm. Um, on the one hand, many point out that Christians are owned by God. Um, and cannot therefore be possessed. On the other hand, there's people that point out that both history and contemporary current experiences provide numerous examples of sincere Christians seeming to be demon-possessed and benefiting from prayer. 
And so the writer continues and says, it seems to me this controversy can largely be resolved simply by observing that the New Testament term that is often translated as demon possessed literally means to be acted on by a demon and does not suggest the person has become the owned property of demons or Satan. And that's really important to remember on several levels because A, we are gods. We are not Satan's. We are not the devil's, no. Um, but second, that's significant because um, like we were just saying, sometimes it's a gray area of, is this a spiritual warfare battle or is this a mental health battle? Right. And sometimes they may be the same thing. They right. can be related and you may treat both equally at the same time, but it's comforting to know that I can't be possessed by a demon, but that a demon can influence me mm. and affect my circumstances. Um, that just helps me understand, okay, no, I am God's. That's where my identity is. Yeah. I have no association in terms of my identity with Satan, with demons. And then, so then that creates a question of, okay, so when somebody's battling something that looks like possession, but maybe a mental health issue, because there'd be some psychiatrists and psychologists today that would very understandably read some of the stories of demon possession that like Jesus battled or Jesus looked at mm -hmm. and say, is that something like schizophrenia? Is that epilepsy? Um, and those yeah. are valid questions to ask. And so when somebody is experiencing that, how do you treat it? Do you treat it as this is a prayer circumstance or this is a mental health circumstance. And this writer says, the most balanced approach, it seems to me, is to avoid the extreme of assuming that everything that looks like demonization is actually caused by demons, or the extreme of assuming that everything that looks like demonization is merely a psychological disorder. We pray warfare prayers and engage in counseling. So I, that I found really helpful because it's the approach of like, yes, the Bible says to pray in all circumstances. So yes, whatever mental health issues a person is going through, absolutely be praying over it. Yes. But absolutely. sometimes, and we've talked a lot about this, yeah. is the way that God helps us with some of these issues is by giving us the resources to treat mental health problems. God has empowered people to learn and study about our brains and figure out about chemical imbalances and provide medications that can help people. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode. Um, but I just think that's something that's really important to remember that like, um, it, it can be dangerous to frame a, a mental health issue as only being an issue that needs to be prayed away. Because there are so many people that are consistently, faithfully following Christ and consistently praying about these issues, and they're not going away. That does not mean that their prayers are ineffective, aren't heard, that they have a sin issue that's preventing this from being resolved. Um, sometimes God allows these circumstances, and we need to be open to other avenues of treatment that God may be willing to provide. Um, in my, and we'll go we'll probably into more of this next week, but in my experience of depression and treatment, um, I had prayed for years for it to go away, and I believed the lie that I wasn't praying enough. But then later when I got onto medication, and that helped me a lot, I was like, oh, this is the answer to prayer I've been looking for for so long. But I had these 
mental blocks against medication for a variety of reasons. And once God led me through that, I was like, oh, this is how God wanted to answer that prayer all along. Like, <laughs> great. Like, God empowered, you know, therapists to learn how to talk to me and give me tools in my toolbox to deal with things and, and all that sort of stuff. So I just kind of word vomited a whole lot. I don't know if you have any well, specific I, reactions to any I, that. No, I'm just listening. I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I think one of the things to remember with therapists, too, is um, there is a community that occurs when you're in therapy. And um, especially, you know, students and families working when their student is in therapy, you know, there's a sense of community within the family. Um, and I think... Um, working in youth ministry for the years that I did, you know, there's a sense of community there. And so when we come together and share our hardships and share our burdens, and um, I recently, um, a family friend of mine passed away and um, her husband said, um, talked about scripture and sharing our burdens and uh, a lot of people said, you know, how did you get through this time after she passed? And he said, um, he said, w you guys, mm. you shared yeah. your burdens. We shared our burdens together in community of Christ. Yeah. And so when we look at mental health and we look at sharing our burdens, it's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be frightened of. It's um, there's when it comes to the mental health and, and having different tools in your toolbox, you know, I always tell parents like, you're not supposed to know everything. That's yeah. why I have a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew everything, I didn't, I wouldn't have a job. Uh, and so I'm here, to, I'm here to help. I'm your extra tool. Yeah. I said the same thing when I was in youth ministry. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm here as an extra tool. I'm, I'm here to, to be an extra stepping stone, to be another bridge in your child's life mm -hmm. um, so that you're not doing it alone. I'm here to help provide a community yes. and to be in community with your student. Um, and, and so that's a huge part of what's talked about is community within scripture and um, not only community like with each other, I mean, even what we're doing right now, but community with God, being yeah. in community with that. And, yeah. you know, and so there's, there's a lot in mental health with therapy and talking about this that opens the door to a bigger community. Mm -hmm. And um, Jesus didn't look at, you know, the mental health of the world and go <laughs> less than. <laughs> wow. Um, Jesus just met people where they were yes. at. It didn't matter. Yes. Jesus used people wherever they were at consistently throughout scripture. Yes. Old Testament and New Testament, he used them exactly where they were at, regardless of whatever their mental health may have been at the time. Yeah. And so the concept of having the spiritually perfect person, um, <laughs> I, I think is a very weird concept to me. Yeah. And the biggest, when I worked in ministry, and the biggest thing that students would ask me is, you know, this question, I can't even, questions about social stuff would come up or I'm struggling with this. And my first answer would be like, well, have you like talked to God about it? <laughs> and they'd be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, have you like talked, have you like brought it up to him? And they would be like, well, but like, I'm angry about it. I was like, yeah. Have you like talked to God that you're angry? No. And they'd be like, what? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> In scripture, people were really honest and we're like, God, I, I don't like you right now, man. What yeah. was that move? Yeah. Dumb. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And um, 
And I said, the reason that I say that is to talk to God is one, I've personally experienced this. I have cussed, I can officially say I've cussed God out. Yep. I have too. I really have. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment, I've God embraced me so incredibly in that moment mm. as I was cussing him out. I have never experienced that level of embracement. And so the reason that I always said, have you talked to God about it? Is because it leaves the door open to communication. Yeah. Because as soon as we start talking about something, we've opened we've opened the door to communicate, right? So when a student finally sits down in my office and talks about something, half of my job is already over because <laughs> the relief button's been pushed. Yep. Oh, I just They're got it out. Saying it. I just got it out of my system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like huge difference. Yeah. And so part part of that is just opening up to God and being honest and then being in community with each other when we open up to God, when we have these honest conversations with God. Um, and there's there's an incredible spiritual movement that I've just experienced through that. And so when 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 we look at mental health and we don't have all the answers and I, I there's a lot of times I, a student will come to me and I'm sitting there going, all right, God, what do I do? What do I do with this one? <laughs> right. Right. Because we're only human. Right. Um, and uh, do you know what God tells me almost hundred percent of the time when a student walks in and I'm like, okay, he just goes, just listen, <laughs> just, just sit there, man. Mm-hmm. Just, I just listen. Yeah. Because that's what Jesus did. He yeah. ate with these people and listened. Mm-hmm. Just hung out with them, heard their concerns. and Right. And so, so whether this is, you know, my belief is right or wrong, and I'm sure there's lots of people that could contradict and say what I'm saying is completely wrong and off or whatever. Um, that's, that's totally cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool beans. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, this is coming from my own personal spiritual walk and walking with kids. And so I always told students when I was working in ministry, um, just going to clarify that when I was working in <laughs> ministry, not what I do now, um, just keeping that line open with communication with yeah. God. So whether you're feeling angry, frustrated, lost, confused, struggling with anything, mm-hmm. dude, just talk to God about it, man. Yeah. And I always tell them, you, you're probably not going to get an answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? Well, and like that, just talk to God. That doesn't mean that God's going to instantly no! make it better. But that's no. that's just or make starting, it go away. Yeah, that's just starting the process and being honest with God about where you're at I, and having relationship. Yeah. You're having relationship with God. You're opening. You're communicating with God, and I think that's what God, from my uh, my personal walk with God and just working with kids over the years, is um, like God just wants to communicate. He just wants us to be honest with Him. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of, too, what you see with Jesus. And I always, the I love the story in the New Testament of the lady who was bleeding for years. Mm, and she yeah. goes, if I just touch, if I just touch. And he stops in the middle of the crowd and turns and recognizes. And for me, that moment's significant because she was being brutally honest. There was nothing left. Mm. She had nothing else. If I just touch the cloak, he doesn't even need to acknowledge that I exist. Yeah. I don't even need that. I just need that one corner of faith. Mm. And Jesus noticed that one corner of faith. And the door to communication was open. He said, suffer no more, man. You're totally honest with me. I love what you just said because you just said she didn't need him to acknowledge her at all. No. But he does... 
and he calls her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very relational statement. He not only acknowledges her, he says, we are family and I love you. Right. And Jesus says that constantly when yeah. he talks about adoption, you're adopted into the kingdom. I've worked with a, with a lot of students that are, that are adopted and that means parents mean a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. I, I can't speak from personal experience because I'm not adopted. Um, it's just a very significant term that you are beloved and you are a child of God. And yeah. so it's to have that open communication is you're having that communication. And um, it just it's a game changer yes. in your walk with For God. Sure. And so to not be afraid to come to God with these things, um, to be really honest with God and... Again, when Jesus was having dinner at, I can't even remember exactly where, and... Olive Garden? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Having that four cheese, whatever word I can't pronounce. Um, Carbonara? And she pours the super nice... Oh, the perfume. Perfume onto his feet. And it was all she had. Yeah. She wasn't seeking acknowledgement. She was just serving. Mm -hmm. And Jesus... Right, she was she was a lower caste in the yeah. system, and um, then there's the other story I um, learned about. I did a whole message series on it years ago, and I just loved it. Was the centurion guard yes. who came to Jesus and said, "These are." And I would like to point out that all these stories I've said are like two seconds in scripture, right. <laughs> like the snippets. But um, they're so meaningful. They're, they're so, so meaningful. impactful. So there's yeah. a reason that they're in there. Yeah, and. Um, and we look at the centurion and, and it's almost like he's saying, dude, I don't know if I believe in you or not as the son of, but like, look, I am in charge of all these people and I can relate to you, Jesus, on this level. Mm. And I need someone, I, I, I'm in charge of his back. Yeah. Jesus, you got to come and help me out. Yeah. As as another leader, can we just come together on this for someone else? Yeah. And it wasn't about his power. It wasn't about his position. It wasn't about recognition. It was the humble spot of yeah. my role is to care for these people. Jesus, let's relate on that. Yeah. And Jesus was like, I'm totally in, man. Yeah. And I'm talking like, I don't know why I'm talking this way, but that's <laughs> that's me. I do that. Um, you do. <laughs> I, I do. And so it just, it, there's these incredible snippets of just coming to Jesus for just brutal honesty exactly where you're at there's zero recognition and it's all just community building opening communication with jesus and i just think it's incredible examples of instead of separating mental health as kind of this other thing mm -hmm. um versus i'm having a bad day right it's all encompassing yeah we're supposed to be in community 24 7 and discipleship yes, yes. and instead of judgment or um jumping to demonization we go to communication and open prayer to god mm -hmm. immediately mm -hmm. let's talk to god about it yeah what's he gonna say about it and a lot of times he's really silent and it's super frustrating mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's these incredible incredible moments of we then allow the holy spirit to move in which could be a whole other conversation yes um but we so many other there, we've so gone on like 18 different or we could go into 18 different tangents about right different things Ab but. absolutely and again this is just us chatting in yeah. the gray yeah the literal gray <laughs> of the walls and the couch the gray <laughs> the gray that's a movie with liam neeson isn't it yeah oh yeah um 
Good dude. I'm okay. just looking at our notes. I think we like. Did we the cover? Only other, we basically covered everything. Um, the only other thing that um, I want to add is that, and that we talked about earlier, is that some people might say that like therapy and medication might diminish the role of God as mm. the healer. Mm. Um, but I think Anna and I, from our perspectives, we would both vehemently disagree with that because, you know, those are vessels of God's healing. Like when a person is battling cancer and they use chemotherapy, we usually have no problem in th praising God for that and rightfully so. Um, and I think we need to approach that or have that same approach with mental health and stuff like that and give thanks to God for like, thank you God that I have the resources to go to a therapist and to be on medication and to be in a community of people who will accept me as I am with my mental health issues <laughs> and be like, and I feel crazy. And you're just like, that's fine. I do too. <laughs> right. Right. And just to be in, in, um, uh, just communion together in the yes. sense of, um, it's sharing each other's burdens yeah. and being there for each other and through, through thick and thin. And, um, I think that if we choose to cut off that sense of community or sense of help, we might be missing a door that God is trying to open for us. Yes. And if you pray and God is telling you, do not go on medication, that's a Don't. whole different story. Yeah. yeah, You know, your walk is gonna be totally different, whatever, whatever you decide what what I think is important from my perspective is that God can use those things to open you up to serve his purpose later yes. on down the road. If I had not sought the help that I did, um, I would not be where I am today, mm -hmm. literally in any way, yes. shape or form. Correct. Um, Same. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be different. <laughs> My life would be vastly different. Um, and I have, through getting help through therapy, um, I have now opened myself up and allowed God to move mm, me. Yes. God has been able to use me, I think. I think I'm doing okay. Let me know, man. <laughs> uh, uh, use me in different ways that I wouldn't have been capable of doing. Yes. And so there's again it's a lot of a lot of gray there's there's just some really cool from personal experience where god has just really moved um moved mountains yes through therapy um therapy is a lot of work yes you have to do if you are not willing to do the work as the person the client going in a therapist will never work harder than you will yeah so if you are not willing to do the hard work to mentally change, it's work that no one can see. Yep, oftentimes. <laughs> much like spiritual work. Yes. <laughs> um, nobody will see it, and it is exhausting. Yes. The outcome is incredible. Yeah. And so I experienced the Holy Spirit the most mm. and met the Holy Spirit the most when I was working through all of my really basically creating new brain waves and behavioral patterns for myself, yeah. which is excruciating work yeah. that no one can see. It is completely invisible. 
Um, and that is where the Holy Spirit moved the most yeah. in my personal journey. And then through that, I was able to pour out into the students I was working with. Yes. And through that shift, I'm now able to pour out in my job and be there for my coworkers and my friends. And I'm not, I am not perfect at this. At this. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you're at a healthier place from which to be there for people. Yes, yes, and to function and to be there for my husband, to be there for my son and for my family. Um, and so the Holy Spirit really moved through all of that. And, and so it was a total, like this coming full circle connection I had my me and behaviorals and psychology way of thinking and then the biology of what trauma does to the brain chemically yeah. how trauma affects the brain so looking at all those biological and then i had my spiritual my love of god and they all just kind of came together <laughs> through therapy and through working through a really hard time in my life and my therapist was there but i also was at faith little most people don't know this when I met you, Kevin, mm -hmm. I was working through some of the toughest mental health when I, when I came to Faith Covenant. Yeah. Um, and I volunteered like crazy because it was the avenue, one of the avenues that God used to pick me up again. Mm. To, to, yeah. and, and so with the therapist, volunteering at church, creating a church family, and having people have my back, Everyone at Faith Covenant had no clue what I was going through when I yeah. came there. Yeah. Um, I don't even think I could verbalize the full extent of where, where I where I was at mentally, yeah. um, and that was okay. What I needed was that community, mm -hmm. and so um, and I'm also a very open book person. Yes. So that's my personality. I've noticed. I'll tell everybody. That's part anybody. of why we're friends. <laughs> that's true. And so it's. It was a coming full circle of the Holy Spirit and God leading me in community and family and through therapy and through changing a lens and the hard work of self. And it really was going through the fire. And um, the one thing that I never ever did was disconnect myself from the vine. So I was mm. always connected to the vine. Sometimes it was a corner of the cloak. Yep. It was hanging on for dear life because I had nothing else. Yeah. And so I think just recognizing the power that the Holy Spirit has in that. And that's why I love that story yeah. of the woman who was bleeding for years. Yeah. It was just enough. And it was still faithful enough where God said, you are my daughter. Yeah. And so I think to kind of take that stigma out of mental health, um, because it is talked about so much right now um, on such a big level in all capacities of life, um, to recognize that it's it's a spiritual, it's a whole thing. It's mm -hmm. all connected. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. There's no separating the individual components of it. And when when you're when you're a follower of God and, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of Man, like I do, it it is all centered around God. It is it, everything is focused on that. There's there's nothing. It, it's. It's just this incredible, I don't even know how to explain it, but it it's just an incredible spiritual experience of just being able to see everything and especially within mental health, it's all connected back to God and, yeah. and the discoveries that we've made in the brain and the intricacies of our neurological pathways within our behavioral patterns. That was a lot of big words. And that's okay. <laughs> um, it just, it, to me, it's just incredible and it all, for me personally, it all circles back to yeah. just this 
this incredible trinity of God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and how they all work together, and how mm-hmm. your body and all these things work together. And so to just take that stigma out of it and to look beyond, to, to kind of just refocus back on God and yeah. to look at a, a child of God, just strip everything away. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at a child of God who's desperately reaching out for a corner of that cloak because there's nothing else left. Yeah. And I, that, that's what's really, really significant if we look at mental health, I think. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> well, and I, I thought it was great and like, <laughs> I, I mean, there are moments in this conversation where I just got lost to the point where I forgot we were recording. I know. So I'm, I'm really thankful that we're having this because it was edifying for me, and I hope it's edifying for all of you yeah. watching and listening as well. So um, thank you, Anna. Next week, we are going to delve a little bit more into what it means to, um, you know, actually do the work of battling mental illness as a Christian and kind of how do you... Um, balance questions of medication and therapy and kind of right. get a little bit deeper into the nitty-gritty and that's going to be we're going to be speaking more out of our own individual experiences more so than professional or educational experiences I mean that'll be a part of it too but um, yeah it's just going to be a little bit more of our own personal reflections on how we've dealt with dealt belt which with. I kind of just <laughs> talked about but right. that's okay yeah that's, that's fine okay. because there's always well, more yeah because yeah. my life is in chapter books <laughs> yep so She's got a bookshelf right there. So, um, we well, anyway, I'm, again, I'm very thankful for, to, for you, Anna. I'm Thank very you. thankful for all of you watching and listening. And I'm just, I'm really excited for us to engage on this really important and necessary conversation. So, super heavy, light topic. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it was your idea. That's true. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you all so much for being here, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.